C Strategies LLC, The Broadcast, Becky, Micah, The Remix Project Chicago, Communications, Public Affairs, Strategy, Entrepreneur, Media, Chicago, Women, Women, Wine, Chit Chat, Chit Chat, Podcast, Podcast, Byline, Public Relations, Women, Mary, Micah, Becky, C Strategies, The Broadcast, The Broadcast, The Broadcast. Hello and welcome back to the broadcast. This is our seventh episode, which is a Chicago podcast dedicated to showcasing women who are making an impact on Chicago and their communities. If this is your first time listening to the broadcast, we are glad you found us. Now sit back and enjoy. For our faithful followers, welcome back and thanks so much for listening. I have to give a shout out to our amazing sponsors, the Remix Project Chicago and Ventus Holdings LLC. This really is possible because of you. Yay. Thank you, sponsors. And I'm Becky Carroll. I'm president and CEO of C Strategies. And here's a little bit about me, even though I hate talking about me and Micah says, talk about yourself. I'm a two-decade veteran of high-profile political and public policy campaigns. Um, I've served as national director of Women for Obama in 2008. I'm a very proud and lifelong Chicagoan, having served on lots of boards that promote leadership roles for women in politics and women's health, as well as family and workplace issues. Good and- for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> See why I tell her to talk about herself? With yes. good reason. <laughs> and I'm Micah Stamba. I'm vice president of C Strategies and an Emmy Award winning journalist and entrepreneur with 13 years of experience working in both a newsroom as well as running a business. I serve on the board of directors for the YWCA, Metropolitan Chicago, and Susan G. Komen, Chicago. So we're both pretty busy. Mm-hmm. And one day we're going to change that in the script from YMCA <laughs> to YWC. I think we do that deliberately just to keep ourselves on our toes. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> right. It always says or YMCA. Someone's, or someone's messing with me. Someone's messing former, with you. And, it's, and it's not me. So now let's start dishing with three powerhouse women we are pumped to have on the broadcast with us. In studio, we have Michelle Herndon, pri- partner slash director of private events of B Hospitality Company. Ina Pinkney, chef and owner of Ina's Kitchen and Alpana Singh, restaurateur and sommelier. I always think I'm going to say sommelier wrong, but I think I, <laughs> if you give me your stamp of approval, I think I did it right. Good. Who owns both the boarding house and Seven Lions, which um, I love going to as well. So thank you all so much for coming on today. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having us. Yay! Glad to be here. <laughs> How badass is a studio? Isn't, Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's badass being in this studio with these women. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> totally. So we all we we have a couple of questions and we want to get your feedback on all of it. But we're going to start with the veteran, Ina. What is the one thing you want every woman with a passion for cooking and food to consider before opening up a restaurant? Don't. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> She's not kidding. <laughs> if if you want to cook, if you love to cook, keep cooking for your family and your friends because if you get into a restaurant situation, you'll never cook again. There's everything else to do except cook. Um, kitchens are a closed society of mostly men who have no use for you in the kitchen. And you have to do so many other things that make a restaurant happen. If it was just about the food, we all hit a home run every day. But it's so not about that. It's about facilities management, it's about labor, it's about all the permitting. Everything that goes into a restaurant has nothing to do with food. Yeah. Am yeah. I close? No, it's it's pretty spot on. 
Yes. I mean, you have to have a, a love beyond just the food. It's running a business, mm -hmm. you know, and, and people say, but I love to entertain and I love to throw dinner parties. I'm like, okay, well, how are you a good accountant? Are you a good plumber? Right. right. You know? Plumbing. Are you refrigeration? <laughs> lawyer. Right. Right. Um, you know, task management organized. Um, do you enjoy sleep? Because you'll never sleep again. Um, you know, all those things and all those components. But it's just sort of like before you take your hobby and something that you have a passion for and you love, think very long and hard about, you know, you know, if you get into it and you make this your business and livelihood, you know, there's a good chance that you may not love it anymore. You know, so it has to be something bigger than a passion. It mm -hmm. has to be an infrastructure support system and lots of capital. Oh, and my you, God. You yeah. probably have to have a pretty thick skin, too, because can you yes. imagine loving something so much and have, have, having someone say, those pancakes were shitty. And people are like that. I mean, yeah. people are like that. People yeah. are mean. And, you know, I remember, in, I mean, I've been in the restaurant business 25 years. And when you used to complain, you wrote a letter. Right. You took the time and you addressed it and we read it and we were like, oh, my gosh. And now, you know, in this online world, it's Yelp, it's Google reviews, it's Facebook reviews, it's TripAdvisor. I mean, there are sites now that allow, I mean, how do people have time in their day? It's mind-boggling. And mind you can't even keep up with it, you even know, if you it know, is uh, legitimate. Uh, I was interviewed by uh, somebody at CBS and said, have you looked at your Yelp reviews? And I said, no. And she said, we'd like to do a story and we'd like you to see the ones that are in the hidden area. Mm -hmm. there's, there's some there. And I said, you know what? I would never, ever look at my Yelp reviews because I don't unlock the door every day to get it wrong. And if you don't have the courage to tell me that you didn't like that omelet or there was something wrong with the scrapple or that you didn't like these pancakes, if you don't have the courage to call me over and tell me that I can make it right when right. it's wrong, to your face, then do the not go home mm -hmm. and write about it later. I am so not interested yeah. in you. That is a great point. Yeah. I mean, it's it a very opinion-driven society society that we live in right now. And, and to both of your points, I think that, you know, uh, also, I mean, restaurants are problem making machines. And if you can't get the muscle memory to, to continue every single day, there's a restart, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a new problem, there's a new challenge, there's a new something. And to both of your points, this like hobby or thing that sounds so fun and exciting, um, now turns into something where, okay, what, what do I have ahead of me today? What, am I, what problems do I have to solve? And if you're put out by that, you're in the wrong business. Mm -hmm. You got to do your research and talk to people that are already doing it. Say so, it to my face. Yep. Yeah. 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 I kind of feel, too, as a business owner, like, if I find something wrong, I'm going to give positive feedback, constructive Always. criticism, because it's out of respect to the person who's putting well, their money grow. and their name behind yeah. it. Right, right. Yeah. And I would, I would want... If, we were screwing something up, I'd want a client to come and tell us they're not happy so we can address it and not repeat it. And it happens everywhere in every in every industry and in every business. Just be nice enough to like let you know and not do that. I think it was Monica Ang at BEZ who interviewed chefs and said, when you go to a restaurant and something is wrong, do you tell them? And almost every chef said no. And I thought that was really very telling and very terrible as well. When the Tribune uh, approached me about doing a regular column about breakfast, I said it can never be a critical food review. That is not my job. It's not my job to hurt anybody. If I go to a place, and I did, that just opened... I sat down with the chef and I said, you know, let me tell you where you have some pain points here and where you can fix them because the basic quality of your food is really good. But let me tell you about the things that I can't write about. And I want to come back and I want to see how you've done. And then I can write about you and drive some business. Mm -hmm. But I always want to do it in a constructive way that makes sense for them. Well, Absolutely. One of the things that Becky and I talked about on our first or second podcast was 
trolls, right? Internet trolls in the in the political arena arena back then. Um, but you guys probably at some point have the same trolls that just really are looking for a free meal. They're looking to not pay their bill. They're looking to... Or just looking to be a dick. Well, yeah. You know, what's <laughs> interesting is... Yeah. yeah. I, I think there's this perception sometimes that I feel... I wonder if people think restaurants should be a nonprofit entity. Oof. You know, that... <laughs> oh, my God. You know, and, and, so true. And I think it's something as basic as food. Well, you know, health care is not free either. If anything right. should be free, it's health care, you know? Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but food, it's a business. And, yep. you know, and then they get mad at us of like, yep. well, you're making so much money. I'm like, I'm really not. No. It's, a, it's a small margin. But, you know, I'm still <laughs> right. running a business. And so right. don't get shocked. And especially recently, you know, with like minimum wage increase, paid yes. sick leave, yep. you know, health yeah. insurance mandates etc. You know, there was a voter referendum on minimum wage, and I do believe in paying a fair wage, but I would implore the public to be aware that if our cost goes up, so does the price of your cheeseburger. Absolutely. That's yeah. right. It's directly yeah. relatable. Completely. And, yeah. That profit margin, I've been told time and time again on the restaurant side, is not that. I was going to oh say, what God. profit margin? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You're not right. in it for the money. Yeah. It's not about right. the money. And I think, too, to your point, it's, you know, you've got a lot of people out there just think that, like, we're grocery stores, that we have everything, that you make so much money, that why can't you do this or that? And I've gotten to the point where I've actually told my clients, happily like hey listen i'm not going to apologize i'm in this i'm in a business i'm running a business right, right. and but i'm going to do i'm going to try to make these pricing this pricing as fair as possible um, for both of us. Mm-hmm. But you can't just give <laughs> shit away. No, well, right. last time, I, you know, if my, my doctor's appointment running 20 minutes uh-huh, late, right. I didn't get a free, you know, panel test. Right. You know, <laughs> I'll, right. I'll buy you a drink at least if I'm running late. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so true. You know, there's intrinsic value, uh, and that's a really important thing. I remember walking down the street in the garment district with my dad when I was young, and in those days they put prices on things because they were jobbers, people who would buy things and resell them. And my father said, let's look at this blouse. He said, let's say it was designed by a trained designer. That adds value. Let's say the buttons are mother of pearl. That adds value. Let's say that the stitches are small and even made with really good thread. That adds value. But never forget, it's only a yard of fabric. And that that's intrinsic value is to a yard of fabric. And it was the same thing with pancakes. In order for me to have made money on pancakes, I would have had to charge a lot more than I did. And I kept the prices as tight as I could because there's an intrinsic value to four pancakes on a plate. But then when maple syrup was $65 a gallon, you know, before I closed, and I would see people pouring it all over the pancakes before tasting them. And I went, oh, those people are IHOP people because IHOP pancakes are efficient vehicles for syrup. They have no flavor. And if they tasted mine, they would need very little. But there goes my profit margin completely. Well, speaking of, you know, the business side of it, um, I think you all know, obviously, Chicago is known for its amazing food. And just this year, Condé Nast had rated Chicago as a top culinary scene in the country, which, of course, all of you have some ownership in that, which I just thought I read that. And I was just like, wow. But what would you say is like a key or secret to helping to keep the tables full? Because there's so much competition. Well, you need an audience. You need an audience, first of all. And I think where Chicago succeeds is we have the density of population. You know, we're a big metropolitan city. 
um, major city, um, but you also have an audience that's keen on going out to dinner. I mean, you can't have this happen without an audience knowing that somebody's going to come and eat at your restaurant. Um, the other thing is, you know, relatively still compared to like cities like New York, where you see restaurants closing left and right because they can't afford the rent anymore, is we still have the value of our neighborhoods where you can still do a decent restaurant at a certain price point because of relatively low rent levels. I'm not talking about River North or Gold Coast or some of these areas, but if you go into, you know, like like we were talking about Bronzeville, in coffee shops popping up in Bronzeville or like Avondale. Amen. Keep we, it coming, yeah, In this people. neighborhood, That's Pilsen. My correct, yeah. correct. And so Keep there's still, coming. you know, you need, you know, the, the, the barrier of entry is often capital, as I said. You know, so if somebody, you know, wants to take a shot at that dream and, and make a go for it, but you need to have the, you know, the, the, the rent, mm-hmm. the rent has to be low enough. Um, and you're not seeing that in San Francisco. You know, mm-hmm. definitely not New York. And so and it used to be, you know, back when I first started in restaurants, if you wanted to make it big, you went to New York. Right. That was right. it. Like you weren't taken seriously yeah. unless you worked in New York. Exactly. Now you can stay in Indianapolis and make a go for yeah. it. Yeah, you can, you know, you can yeah. stay yes. in your own backyard. Yes. I want to ask um, the two of you a question. And that is, do you think it's possible for a small independent to really make it make a go of it? Do you need more than one location and do you have to be part of a group? Because I look around now and I see the value of a group, of a Boca, of a B hospitality. I mean, there is a lot of infrastructure that helps you. But you started out as an independent and you've added several you know, locations. Well, and it's yeah. hard. It's At some just point, so hard. You, you do have to add on. That's because the first restaurant has, you know, the general manager, you need the party person, the executive chef. But when you can open three or four, that party person can take care of two restaurants. So it's about splitting the labor. And so your executive chef, like, you know, you have a, a well-known entity, he or she can now oversee three restaurants and come up with the menu. And then you hire, you know, support staff to execute. It. So it's really about sharing the cost of labor and splitting it, especially now that we're, you know, have to do so much more administrative work with, like I said, health care and paid sick leave and taking care of all this like administrative needs and keeping track of hours and, right. you know, all right. that stuff like the office, you know, so one office person for one restaurant versus one office person for four restaurants. So you can split it across. And you don't make money with one restaurant, but you do start to make money over four restaurants. Well, wow. and so, but you have to start somewhere, and hopefully, with that one, you make a name for yourself, and you build good capital. And the other thing is, you know, developers want to see your 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 niche, and so it's all about getting these deals. And so we were able to do Terra and Vine up in Evanston because we we did Seven Lions. It's like okay, that's a nine thousand square foot restaurant on Michigan Avenue, so it raises your profile so that they start coming to you of like, hey, we're opening this hotel. Would you like to take a look at the retail space that we have? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's that ability to showcase that you can operate at a larger capacity and that you've got stability and that you're not going to close in six months. And that brings me to a very another issue about not as an entrepreneur, you know, having an ego about what you want to feed people as opposed to what ego. they want to oh. eat. <laughs> I just watched Big Night the other night. The oh, other day. Right? The For the, you know, however many time or whatever, but it had been so long since I'd seen it. And so many of these quotes, you know, you hear time and time again in a partner meeting or a freaking, you know, manager meeting. It's give people what they want. And that's the struggle that the right. chef, the Secundo, has with his brother Primo, right? Yeah. That 
but right. you know he's like man you got I'm on Primo's side just right. give him the fucking give meatballs and spaghetti <laughs> yeah, otherwise your shit's gonna be closed just give him the meatballs man right we're in business no I mean here's what it comes down to if you can afford your principles right God bless you yeah exactly if there's capital there for you to just the unending capital that we talked about in another place you know you can you can have all those dreams but I think again you know if you have this there are rarities there are some anomalies can't even talk um, that um, like let's just say Boca Group you know Girl and the Goat you know that that place just took off and it was they were able to bankroll the rest of their projects with you know other restaurants and that's you know it's rare it's it is rare. It's, it's, rare. it's like the, yeah, it's like, you know, the unicorn situation. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny because I was driving um, in River North over the weekend and someone said, what, what, what was that before it was vacant? And I was like, I don't know. It's been so many things. Like just. Oh, yeah. Do you ever feel like. Sometimes oh, the location, like you even, can though, have you, even though you think that, that it's, yeah. it was great, it was like superior and maybe Wells. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, that's where I am. Right. Um, yeah, I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a forensic sign there? <laughs> it was not the boarding house. Uh, no, I was going south uh, on Wells, and it's the yeah. uh, the building right on the corner. Oh, the white building? No, it's like the... a dark with like a green trim. But it's been like three or four uh, things. Oh, okay. And yeah. and I, you know, you wonder. Like, my my first restaurant um, on Webster and Bissell was four different restaurants in five years, Ina's Kitchen. And we used to say in our business at White, it was an Indian burial ground. No, wow. but you have right? to respect oh, the location. Yeah. You know, we got into that trouble with Seven Lines when we first opened is we came off of Boarding House, which is destination dining. Like, you make your reservation. You know what you're getting into. It's your birthday. It's your anniversary. You're like, fine. That's the menu. Seven Lions is, you know, in a very busy tourist, you know, stretch. And then you're going to this. We did not respect the location. And so over the last couple of years, we've come to respect the location. What that means is people are in a rush here. It's power lunches. You know, they may not be interested in braised octopus. They want calamari, you know. So it's, again, taking your ego out of it and listening to the demands of what the location is calling for. And, you know, we've been able to turn it around. But you know, two years ago, I'm like, I'm not putting nachos on the menu. Guess what? We now have Gee, nachos, and they're delicious. delicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're fabulous. Uh, Come try our nachos. There you go. Isn't that funny? I used to say also, you know, you can come into my restaurant and you can not like my bread. And so I'll give you something else because I am not my bread. Yeah. You right. can not like my bread and you can still like me. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, this industry is obviously 24-7. Like you said, you're not going to be able to have a life for no your family. <laughs> How do you guys juggle the the personal, you know, work life balance as women? It's hard. Yes. It's really hard. Um, first and foremost, it's you know, it's about keeping certain things rigid. And knowing that if you don't do certain things, you're not going to go well. So for me, it's like I have to be in bed by a certain time, you know, and if I don't, then I'm going to be a little bit later the next day. And it's about scheduling those blocks that are sacred, you know, of like nobody bother me before 9 a.m. I don't care if the restaurant's on fire. Call my partner. Yeah. I'm with you. you know? Yeah. And, and so, don't apologize <laughs> for it. Yeah, right? I know my daughter ready women, till As women, we do that, I think. And they know yeah. that. They know yeah. they're like, you know, like, yeah, she's not answering her phone. So it's about keeping those things sacred. And it's not 
not feeling selfish about it or guilty because, like, if I don't take care of myself, I can't take care of you guys. I have to take care of this here right now. Um, So there are things that I do. I schedule a vacation every six months. And so I just go like, I'm gone for four days. Don't bother me. And I just go. And how do you do it? You buy the ticket. Right. There it is. Just uh-huh. Put it on the buy calendar, the ticket, buy the right. ticket, commit, and and do no it. return. No. Yeah. And it's very important because otherwise that resentment builds. Yep. Yeah. And resentment yep. is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. It so doesn't true. work that way. You know, so, so, you know, you have to, you just have to do it and you can't feel guilty. It's paramount. It's important. And it took me a while um, to get used to that one. And then yeah. sometimes it's saying no. You yeah. know, it's like no, exactly. You, you can't have make boundaries. Room for yes, no, you have to draw the boundaries, and you have to, um, you know, we. I think the restaurant business, and I think you'll too agree with me, is a very martyr-driven. You know, oh, you're going on vacation for three days in one year. Nice life. Like, you know, <laughs> come on, you guys. You know, you've got to you've got to take the breaks because I find myself so much more refreshed when I can get a landscape reset. Mm-hmm. I come back invigorated and energized and rested and ready. You need that mental and physical break. Otherwise, you you, you just, no one's going to notice that you don't go on vacation. Right. And the other thing they don't is, care. Mm-hmm. Right. it's the friends that you keep, too. And not that I don't love my colleagues in the restaurant business, but I purposely have friends that are not in wine, that mm-hmm. are not in restaurants. They're in other areas, yep. you know. And so we go see a play, you mm-hmm. know. I go to an art show. Yeah. Like, I do things that are not, like... You know, because it can become yeah. very incestuous and very there's no so. escape. Clubbish. And that you brings... make room for a podcast, everyone. Yes. With an there you <laughs> go. You know, that, that brings me to a really important subject for women, and that is exit strategy. Because um, I've tried to tell young people it's time to build an exit strategy which will change and morph uh, over the years that you're working. But how is it going to end? You have to figure out some kind of an ending. And so when I decided to close the restaurant three years and seven months and 19 days ago, um, (laughs) I had it so in my head that I was able to roll it out with military precision because I knew exactly what it would look like and what it would feel like and how long I wanted to give people to come in and say goodbye and and make it the best it could be. Um, But I think it's essential to think about that because we won't have the energy to to keep doing this forever. You know, how is this going to change for us and what is that going to look like? And that's something women never think about. Well, it's a a long-term branding strategy. Lori Healy amazing mentor of mine. She said, you know, every seven to 10 years, you have to reinvent yourself. Yes. And that is Miss Lori. Yes. <laughs> She's done that And I've very done that well. now. This is the last chapter. I'll be 75. And this is the last chapter of my life. And I have completely reinvented myself. And I tell people, take what you know and pivot to something new. So I did have a a documentary about the restaurant's closing, and I've been with that, and I did write a memoir cookbook, and I did that. And now I'm getting paid real money to speak about breakfast trends because I have a foot in two worlds, the original of two eggs over hash browns and whole wheat toast to now having silbir, you know, a Turkish egg dish for breakfast. So I now get paid to talk about this. I also see women in the industry kind of using social media to keep themselves on check. And I, you're probably one that comes to mind, you know, reminding yourself, hey, you guys, like, we're all busy. We all have to get ourselves up in the morning and get our ass to the gym and take time. Whether I, whether I have 10 minutes, I'm going to speed walk. Yeah, no. Or I have 30 yeah. minutes, I'm going to go do weights. Like, and I feel like it's, a, it's an outlet to keep to keep yourself in check, right? People hold you accountable or they'll say, you know. Well, I have uh, recently, I, I 
<laughs> I, I bought a fern, Frank the Fern. And <laughs> my goal uh-huh. is to keep Frank alive. alive. Oh, and so it. I've been yeah. posting on Instagram yeah. Frank Keeping updates. Fern and yeah, so this, awesome. yeah, and it's it's funny because people are like, oh, how's, how's Frank, Frank doing? He's become a little bit of a celebrity through oh, my uh, social it. media. It's so funny. <laughs> I, and I now I resent that. my plants. When I come in in the morning and they need water and I hear them going, <gasps> I go, please, <laughs> take care of yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's, you know, it's, it's also a strategic point of like, there's more to me yeah, than just yeah. restaurants. There's yes. more to me than just wine. There's more to me of like, right. you know, like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I fail like everybody else. I can't keep a plant alive. It makes, you know, it makes me vulnerable in human, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> also why we love you. And I, think that, and I think that's another point is you have to be, especially in this industry, I mean, in any professional industry, but you have you can't be afraid to fail. No, you can't. Oh, right. I say that all the time. And you I learn said, from it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And that's what, you know, I think the next chapter for all of us, or or is now, um, is the mentoring piece and teaching people how to fish, not feeding them, right? Mm-hmm. And and the, the, the I say it all the time that, you know, uh, young people, unfortunately, the big fear is I'm going to screw up. I'm going to get this wrong. And as you get older, you start to realize, yeah, but now I have this cachet of solutions and my mind and my brain work in such a way that I have this confidence now that if I if I fuck it up, I'm going to fix it. That's it. And don't be afraid of it because it's a learning tool. But when you're young, you don't understand that and you end up fucking up anyway because you can't. You that's can't not feel. That's how you that learn. I always t- talk to younger gals, particularly in politics, which is also hugely competitive. It's like just embrace your mistakes and learn from yeah. them because it'll make you better a, at what you do. It's very and empowering. Will build your confidence. Um, very my empowering. father, yeah. my father really taught me the, the most important lessons. I had polio when I was eighteen months, and I would fall all the time. And if I was near him, he would catch me. But if I was not near him, I would fall down. And he would always say, "You only have to get up one more time than you fall." And I understood that to be the lesson for life. And so I had 21 jobs in my life, and I was fired from 19 of them. And now I learned everything I needed to know. And you learned that you like to work for yourself. Right. I also learned I was a hell of a good interview. That's a key element element in relationships, too, you know, because we have this sort of like there's no Instagram filter for life. You know, you can't like put the the Valencia filter on it to make it look more perfect. But, you know, there is this concern with younger people of everything has to be perfect. You take 100 photographs and you pick the best one. Like, that's not how life works, you know. And so um, but I see where it happening is sort of, you know, like in relationships and sort of this fear of, you know, just just cultivating that sort of closeness and, and, you know, getting to know people. And just because it's sort of this and like, where do they get to know people? And that's where I think restaurants are so important. I just did an interview with the Tribune about happy hours, the two year anniversary. And I said, happy hour has been great for us at the boarding house, especially because younger people are meeting each other on Tinder and Bumble, et cetera. But you're not going to meet them at your house. You're going to go to a restaurant. And so that happy hour is a nice opportunity because it's a lower price point. They can like meet each other, and at seven o'clock, like, oh, I gotta go. Exactly. Right. No Especially if you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. So I hate to say that this is the last question, but this is the last question. Um, but the culinary scene, whether you're in it or not, you know, it's like constantly evolving with new trends. And I just read a popular food blog where they mentioned, among other things, in 2017 among many other things, ancient grains, homemade condiments, and street food food inspired food. So what do you think are some of the emerging trends that are coming our way and anything in particular that we might see at some of 
your own restaurants. I as think well. it, the dietary restrictions have mm. completely taken over. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, and it's it's gluten free, it's dairy free, yep. it's, it's paleo, it's paleo, vegan. it's this that. Yeah. And it used to be this sort of apologetic nature of like, oh my god, I have this thing, and and I, and I feel bad for people they have these diagnoses, you know. But now it's this attitude of like, what do you mean you don't have a vegan dairy free menu, you know? And I'm like, this is what we can we do. We don't have a fucking vegetarian paleo. But that's yeah. what I meant to and say. And out of all of our restaurants, we have a vegan menu, but it's like, well, I don't like anything on here. I'm like, I do apologize, but we're not a vegan restaurant. But, you know, it's this nature of these anti-inflammatory diets. I can't have nightshades. I can't have alliums and this and that. And so I just would implore people that if you have a dietary restriction... Let the restaurant know in advance so at least we can be prepared for you. Absolutely. Because we want to accommodate yeah. you, right. but it's hard for us right at that moment, right. especially with onions and garlic. Yeah. Right? Right. Well, no, how I do you come to Italian restaurants? When I make when I make a reservation, like, do you have any diet? I mean, I like that. They yeah, everyone's no. in corporate. No, I was just gonna say, you know, people knowingly will come to Fermentos and say, I can't have any starch or gluten or, or pork or shellfish. <laughs> No meatballs, no pasta, right. no prawns. Uh, no, I feel so sorry home. for you. Well, stay home. You can't eat here. Right? <laughs> well, you can, but I got to. I got. But I need to. We need to. You know, front loading that information is so helpful. Really helpful. Yeah, because the dietary restrictions are not going to go. People are very empowered with their health oh, as yeah. they should be. Yep, yeah. And I get it. You know, but where I see the trend is, I told the chef, I'm like. You know, if you can't adjust this dish to be gluten free, then we don't put it on the menu. Right. If you can't swap out this for that, you know, like, I talked about it. that at a big conference that people who have real celiac disease are not eating out because they cannot be sure that there's no cross contamination. They can't be sure that there isn't Worcestershire sauce in something which has hydrolyzed wheat protein. So you're not getting people with real celiac. You are getting people maybe who have wheat intolerance and can stand a little bit of it. But if your kitchen doesn't buy into it, if you don't have a dedicated toaster that only one person takes and a box of fryer, over there everything. and a fryer mm-hmm. and everything else. I mean, yep. I remember all of that stuff. But um, what we, what what I see now traveling the country, and I've been in about thirty cities, is a lot of immigrant kitchen. Um, uh, changes and so there's a lot of dishes coming onto the menu that are from all over the world for breakfast because people are working in the kitchen and they're making a family meal and somebody goes oh my god this is gorgeous and let's put it on and they do so things are changing in terms of uh, what's coming on the menu it's funny I, I was driving a couple weeks ago and I saw a bumper sticker that says I love gluten <laughs> oh, that's funny that's <laughs> I will say though like especially with the anti-inflammatory diets sugar is probably the worst, the worst oh, thing the worst. for inflammation yeah. yet our dessert sales have stayed like if like they've skyrocketed well, people oh, don't that's even the know one that. area the addiction to like, sugar oh, no, 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 is no, no, no. real like dessert doesn't count right. dessert yeah. doesn't count that's right. fine people right. still don't make the connection with sugar they always think it's gluten free or some other type type of inflammatory ingredient. And that was the the thing that we saw, the difference between a fad and a trend. The minute the Atkins diet came out and people would come into the restaurant and say, I need a lot of eggs and I need a lot of bacon, and I would go, okay, then I'll take the bread. No, 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 leave the bread because we'll just have a little. And I went, it's a fad. People will never give up pasta and bread. Chocolate is gluten-free. Oh, thank God. See what I'm saying? (laughs) Everything in moderation, my mom always said. She was a dietitian, and she just said there's a... She's like Michelle. You can't. You, you there's no diet. Right. It's just right. you. It's your lifestyle. Right. Yeah. It just you have to take everything. And and so yeah, I hear my mom's voice in my head while yeah. I take that. 
extra bowl I guess of pasta. The, the, the thing is, it's Enjoy. like, just, every, you know, for everybody out there, just be, you know, just be nice to us. <laughs> oh, my oh, my God, we're working don't so yell. hard. Don't, please don't yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really trying my best. Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. That's a perfect ending. Please be nice to us. Don't yell at me. We're really trying. We haven't slept in five days. Excuse me, we need T-shirts. Everybody in the restaurant business needs a T-shirt. Don't yell at me. Be nice to me. That is so sweet. That is a good way to end. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ina, Alpna, and Michelle, thank you so much for coming on today. Did you have fun? Oh, we did. Oh, can we do this we again? Did. Yeah. I guess everyone said. There's nothing like being with smart women. Nothing it's like, yeah, it's like group the therapy. Totally. It is. Oh, my God. Unfortunately, it's all the group therapy we have time for today. <laughs> but feel free to call us anytime. Um, the conversation does not have to stop here. Listeners, please subscribe to our podcast, which is on SoundCloud and iTunes. And check out our previous podcast. Ask us questions. Let us know what we're doing. But be nice. <laughs> be nice. And the broadcast is always looking for sponsors. If you enjoy the podcast and think it will benefit others and keep the conversation going, then consider being a sponsor. And for more info on that, you can go to cstrategiesllc.com. And last but not least, as a guest of the broadcast, you get to walk away with your very own The Broadcast Lip Balm to remind you of your time on our show and to always remember to use your voice. Oh, what's up? Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. It's it's gluten free, too. (laughs) (laughs) All natural ingredients. The broadcast is brought to you by C Strategies LLC, a strategic communications and public affairs firm bringing passion and veteran experience to help clients meet their business goals. Our sponsors are the Remix Project Chicago and Ventus Holdings LLC. We are produced and edited by Emily Modaff with audio assistance by Jack Flash. To learn more about C Strategies and the broadcast, find us on Facebook and Twitter at C Strategies LLC and visit cstrategiesllc.com. Thanks for listening.